Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, hi, it's Melinda. How are you doing? Uh, it is Melinda from Hope When There Was None. And today is my 10 year survival anniversary. I was so excited. I can't just, I can't believe it's been 10 years. I really can't. It's there for a while, it seemed like it would never, time wouldn't go by fast enough. It seemed like it took forever. So I am just very excited to bring this broadcast on to you today to describe a little bit about what went on. But first off, let me introduce myself, okay? And hold on a second, I'm using a new platform, so I'm just getting myself acquired. And so I am Melinda Kunst. I am the hostess of Hope When There Was None. And this originally started as a blog a little over 10, well, about, yeah, 10 years ago now. I started it on MySpace. Remember MySpace? <laughs> so I did start it on MySpace, and then eventually I did go to Blogger. So it was hope when there was none.blogspot.com, and it's still there. I do still update my blog from time to time. So again, I am the hostess of Hope When There Was None, and I'm also the author of Call Me Master, which was my memoir of surviving abuse. And the second book that chronicled how I healed about 95% of my PTSD was rising from the ashes. And that was awakening the beauty of life without abuse. Yes. So I do did do those. Let's see. Let's see. And those are available on Amazon, by the way. I am just bear with me a second. I am just checking out stuff as I go along. So let's talk. How did everything go for me? First of all, it was a long, hard road. Getting to the point where I would leave was a long, hard road. And I'm not going to go through every gory detail about that. But again, it started when I was much younger with a stepfather. Then um, as a teenager, my mother finally did leave that man. And um, uh, we she went through a divorce. During that divorce, she did have somebody else great dad his name is Chet and they are still married today and he has never beaten her said anything wrong I mean they still have arguments it's like a normal relationship but um, as a teen I was kind of on the rebellious side because I didn't know what to do with my emotions so we had a good maybe two or three years of normalcy and then I met my my partner and I was 17 years old it did turn into um, teen dating violence so I'm pretty passionate about letting our younger children, younger teens know about the signs of abuse from there because, you know, it might seem all peaches and cream. He's paying attention to me. Everything's nice. It's all hunky dory. When we fight, he brings me flowers. He's um, acting a little jealous, possessive. And that might be kind of a little bit like, hey, somebody really likes me. So you might get that type of um uh, response from your friends, even if you have some warning bells going off, you might feel a little bit weird. So parents, if you are having maybe suspicions of your child that might be setting off some red flags, by all means, please 
I would be happy to send you a, uh, I do have a paper on that, a PDF available for tips that parents should look out for for teen dating violence. I also have a video on that too. And um, you can find those as well as other videos on the Hope When There Was None page. And um, you can check that out as well. I do have a YouTube page as well. You can find that there. Now, again, not going through too much more. When did I did marry him? Now, why did I marry him if I knew he was doing all this stuff? Well, I married him out of uh, fear. Basically, when it boils all down to it for fear. Now, my partner had told me that he was going to kill himself, that he would later kill me, kill my family if I had left him. And I believed him. He had was kind of a bully in school. So when he said that he was going to do these things, I believed he was going to act on them. I didn't have a doubt in my body. Not a doubt. So we did later on marry. Now from the outside, you could see us. We'd be smiling. We might be laughing. It looked like we were the perfect couple. It really did. But on the inside, there was constant fighting, constant bickering. Again, the possessiveness, the jealousy. Um, I couldn't eat certain things when I was with him. You know, if I had too much on my plate, I'd be fat. He'd call me just a pig. If uh, somebody looked at me, like a male would look at me too long, or maybe I said hi to another male, it would be instantly, are you screwing around with him? That would be his words, but I'm just cleaning it up. Um, there would be times where I'd have to make sure I was home by a certain time. Even when I was a teenager, even before we were married, I had to make sure we were home at a certain time. If I worked uh, overtime or something like that and I wasn't there, heaven forbid, he would be very upset. Well, where did you go? And if I told him I went with girlfriends, he didn't believe me. And it was just a nasty cycle. And then that cycle, which now I know is called the honeymoon cycle, that cycle would be wonderful because then we would, um, he'd be nice to me, there be, might be flowers, there might be dinners, and so on and so on. But I didn't know that this was a cycle, and it would just explode over and over again. Now, let's talk about the types of abuse, okay? So the types of abuse we're talking about is not just the physical. The physical, a lot of people, that's when they hear that someone's abused, they automatically think, okay, she's been physically abused. Maybe she's been punched. Maybe he hit her with a bat. There is also being uh, pushed. Someone could just push you. They could trip you. They could pinch you. They could pull your hair. There is um, maybe even harm to the kids. They might do something similar as well. Or your pets. They might not only threaten you with harm or do the harm, excuse me, but they might threaten you as well. So that is other things that you might not think of when you think of physical violence. Now you also have sexual violence, sexual abuse. Now all of these can be tied together. It's not like the person might just do one or the other. They usually do a couple of them. So it's not just one. So with sexual abuse, they might be forcing you to do something that you don't feel comfortable with, that you might've told them, no, I don't wanna do. It could be a fantasy that they really want to, do, to act out. And you're just like, no, I don't wanna do it. And they do it anyway. They force you to do so anyway. They might make some comments that are kind of uncomfortable, maybe about yourself or about other, other women, other men and it just makes you feel uncomfortable. Now there's emotional and mental abuse. Now with emotional and mental abuse, they might make you think that you are going crazy. Now when I'm just for the record here, I might say her a lot or she a lot. This is just something normal. 
abuse can affect men as well. It's not just women. Abuse doesn't discriminate. It can hit every age, every racial background, every religious background. There is no discrimination. It's worldwide. It is definitely something that um, is on the, a major scale of, of worldwide, I don't want to say catastrophe, but epidemic. That's the word I'm looking for. So it's all over. Anyway, let me get back to it. So with your emotional and your mental, you may think you're going crazy. The person might be telling you that, as an example, I put my keys on this counter this morning and now they're not here. Where are my keys? You go frantically looking. You even question your children if you have kids and you're like, where are the keys? You know, dad or so-and-so left them here and now they're gone later to find out that the person actually moved them on you. They did it on purpose. Now I had a situation such as that. They did it on purpose. I thought it was going crazy. I also thought it was my fault. I thought it was my fault in a lot of situations because I wasn't perfect. I didn't have maybe the kids quiet. Maybe I didn't have dinner on the table in time. I might not have had his shoes warm enough uh, or had the bathroom warm enough before he came downstairs. I may have uh, been running late, hit a train or something like that, and only to have him explode. Now, I know that sounds a little bit on the crazy side, and it really does, even thinking back to it now. But back then, in the thick of it all, it was something that was very, very, very uh, much my world to make sure everything was perfect, to make sure I was perfect, to make sure the kids were perfect, the house was perfect, everything had to be clean and orderly. I had to make sure I was in time. And that emotional, that mental job that was done on me, on my head, was just so amazing. I mean, it really was just the whole dynamic of it now, thinking about it. Now, abuse, let me go back to, abuse doesn't happen just right away in most cases. In most cases, it's something that's very slow that happens not automatically. It doesn't happen right away. You're not even going to even notice it for the most part because you're going to be so like, um, so maybe stunned when it finally does come to light. Like, really? It, it, you're just going to be blown away. Now, you might even realize that it is being done, but again, you might think that you're going a little crazy, maybe you're a little off, something is going to not set right with you, so you're just going to kind of brush it off, and again, you might take the blame, You and he might make you, he or she might make you feel like it's your fault. Now, let's go to, uh, there is cyber. Now, this was is something totally new. There's cyber abuse. So what do I mean by cyber abuse? It's not only after your, you leave your mate, but it's also during the time you are with your partner. Your partner might have some kind of spyware on your phone. They might have it on your computer. They might track your whereabouts, track the pages you're looking at, track again who you're calling, who you're texting. Uh, a lot of the phone companies do have this information. If you have a phone with them, you will be able, they'll be able to see your text messages. So if you are doing something on the shady side, you better stop that first of all. But you want to be careful, very careful when you're handling the spyware. Now, when you leave, that's a different situation, different story. Again, I do have videos on that about keeping yourself safe. That is on the Hope When There Was None. Check out my video page, but uh, you can find that information there. Now, when 
you want to think about other abuse. There's elder abuse. There is religious abuse. There's also financial abuse, which is really big because most of us as victims don't have, I'm going to say a good majority of us might be stay-at-home parents. We might be relying on our abuser to provide food, to provide that health insurance, to provide just a roof over our head, a car, and so on. So when we want to leave, and again, this is going to be something I'm going to share in a little bit ago, this might hold us back. A little bit so that person might actually be controlling the finances they might know it down to the penny they might make sure okay I'm gonna give you this $20 bill I want a receipt I want to see everything you spent so you might experience that and also there's bullying and again teen dating violence so what also fits the terms is when I left and I can remember this again this was 10 years ago today I can remember the weather because it was kind of it was really warm outside and it was one of those I knew I was going to leave, but I didn't, I couldn't really, I planned it somewhat, okay? So I had my folks take uh, my different little belongings. I'd have them pick it up because I was at an antique shop. I would have them meet me before the antique shop opened and I would stuff my dad's car with whatever I could stuff. Now this is my third time I left. Most victims do leave their abusers countless times. I mean, not just two or three or, or even just one time. They might leave them seven, eight, to up to 25, 30 times before they finally stay gone. So it's, it's not uncommon. So I had left for that third and final time. I didn't know when he was going to be out of the house so I could leave because he was a construction worker, still is. And so when I heard the news, I jumped on the phone as soon as he was gone, called my sister as soon as I could and told her, he's gone, I need you over here. And everything was just set in motion. I mean, I didn't even tell my children. I kind of had an idea when we were leaving because I did talk with the kids' school and let them know the situation. And so they were aware that the kids were going to be transferring. I just didn't know exactly when, but it was going to come soon. So, I mean, I remember just jumping on that phone, just being all pumped up with just so many emotions and just so scared and nervous because I didn't know if he was going to come home on accident or, you know, maybe he forgot something. Uh, maybe things got canceled. There could have been a dozen reasons why he could have came home. And I was so nervous. I really was. I could feel my heartbeat. I was sweating. It was, it was very, very much like you see in the movies. Honestly, it really was just that fear, that adrenaline was going. And I was so wired. I didn't know whether to cry. I didn't know whether to laugh. I didn't know anything but fear. I could tell you that much. I was really scared at that time. So what I'm getting to now is other terms. What I did not know until much later after I left, there are other terms for the abuse. And again, I didn't really even consider myself abused at that point in time. It was just normal to me. I grew up like that. So I didn't know that these things had labels on them until I had left the first time in 2007 when I talked at a woman's shelter. When I talked to a gal there, we did stay for a while. We were a little I guess for a little bit. And uh, she told me, well, yes, you're abused. And I had no idea. It's like, no, no, you know, he's just a little bit heavy handed. He just calls me names every once in a while. And she really, she had to stop me. She patted me on my, on my arm. And she's like, honey, you are abused. It doesn't mean, and I said, no, no, because you know, those people, they're hit with bats or, you know, they're really something entirely different. They're all bloody all the time. And she's no. And she had to tell me a few times, no, you are being abused. This 
this is real. This is what you're going through. And uh, I, I just couldn't believe her. It just didn't seem like a fair faucet in the burning bed. You know, that, that type of thing is when I see someone that's abused, that's what I automatically think of. I didn't see myself as that. So as um, again, let's talk about different um, names, terms. Um, as a victim, I did learn there was gaslighting. And I'm not going to go through all the terms right now, but there's gaslighting, what the meanings are, excuse me. There's gaslighting, there's narcissism, there's being a sociopath. And we're, some of these have to do with mental health as well. There is a psychopath. There is a covert abuse, which I just learned. Helena had just given us, um, if you check out other videos too, she had just given a great interview about covert abuse. Please check that out. And also love bombing. There's hoovering. There is so many other different terms that you can learn about abuse. I had no idea. I really didn't. When I first left, I did kind of scour everything that I could and find about abuse. I actually got a little too overwhelmed. I got so overwhelmed that when I would join different groups, I would hear these other stories and I would come out feeling so crummy afterwards. I really would. I feel worse than when I went in and I was looking for support and I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. I didn't know exactly what I was looking for, but I know putting myself in those groups was not helping. So, I mean, there are great groups out there. There's wonderful groups, but you have to find something that works for you. And uh, I know I just, I joined a few others, um, not only with domestic violence, but um, I have Lyme, chronic Lyme too. So I know sometimes that can be a little heavy. So you might have to distance yourself from those if you're just a, a newly survivor, let's say that, or if you're just discovering the abuse, just be careful, okay? Give yourself a little bit of time. Now, as... As a victim, you're going to get the question, why do you stay? Why do these people stay? Heck, right? They should just leave. As soon as somebody first gets hit or pushed or whatnot, they should leave, right? Yeah, well, it's a little bit more detailed than that. It sounds easy, but it's a little more detailed than that. So what happens is when you're in this abusive situation, again, this is taking time. This might be something, uh, this person might have been grooming, grooming them for some time. Now, when you're grooming somebody, you're being really nice. You're being awesome. You're doing things that are, are really sweet. And uh, this is not, not only adults, but this can happen with uh, child molesters too. They can just pay a little more attention to you. And um, it just seems like everything's awesome. So they are grooming this person, this victim. And most victims are, are healers. They are people that want to help other people. So they just kind of almost seems like radar for abusers. They, they do, they just seem to zone on in to see that happy person that wants to make the world a special place. And, and that's me, I'll be honest with you. I am one that loves to help others. I really do. I wanna be able, and I see love in the world. I, even now, I still see this as the world is loving and I wanna spend spread that positivity and love wherever I go and even put it out into the into the universe, into the world. And um, you know, I know there's bad things in the, but I like to focus and bring out the positive. And again, I still do this as well. So as a victim, what you're doing inside your head, you're thinking to yourself, well, it's my fault. It's all my fault. At least this is my opinion. It's my fault. You know, again, thinking if I would have just did this, if I would have did that, it would have been perfect. And I, he wouldn't exploded if I had done this. The kids, again, those excuses. You might be afraid of your partner and afraid to leave because honestly, 
the scary outside world, especially depending on how long you've been in that uh, with that person. So if you've been in there, like, let's say, two years and up or even a year, you might be nervous. Well, now what? I don't have a job or now I need to find a place. How am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to get a car? Uh, what am I going to do? We have bills together and so on and so on. There's all of these different situations that pop up in your head and you worry about this stuff. You might feel trapped. You might feel hopeless and helpless. You might have health issues that over the years have suddenly cropped up and now you're going to be without health insurance. Now what do you do? Not only that, how do you, uh, just to say, um, you know, what do you do about your car insurance? There's so many things. There's so many facets to that. It's not just cut and dry, just leave, lady. Your person might, your partner might abuse, excuse me, the kids. He might abuse the animals. He might threaten to commit suicide. He might threaten to kill you, the kids, the animals. And you believe this. You might believe this person is sorry. They might have said it dozens of times, but each time you believe them because they seem so sincere. Not only that, you want to give this person the benefit of the doubt. You want to try everything you can. Now that might include that you go to counseling. You might try some kind of therapy and counseling. You might even stay in the relationship because you feel a pressure from your friends. You might feel pressured from your church. Your family members might make you feel a little pressured. You may always feel, uh, excuse me, not always, but you may feel pressured because you don't want to be alone. You might also feel like you have no other options. Again, no job, no money, no housing. You think that this person is genuinely a good person and they might be a good person. They might really be a good person. And you might rationalize it, well, they're only this way when they drink or when they hang out with certain people or when they're doing uh, drugs. So you might rationalize it. And um, honestly, you, you might just, that might be a reason that you stay. You might say, well, that's why well, I'm going to stay. So I know it sounds crazy. So what if your friend tells you that they want to, or that they, or you even think that your friend might be abused. So what do you do then? So what you're going to do then, if you suspect that somebody is in an abusive situation. Now, this could be a coworker. This could be someone that uh, is your family friend or just a family member, acquaintance, whatever you want to call them. So what are you going to do? So when you hear this or when you suspect, now what gets a good suspicion up is when you see this person and it's the middle of July and it is like 90 degrees out and they're wearing a turtleneck and long sleeves they could be just uh, wearing long pants, something a little bit different than, than they is normal. Like me, I cannot stand to wear turtlenecks. One is because my abuser used to love to choke me, but uh, I didn't like the feeling. Of course, I still don't like the feeling, but I did have uh, someone comment on that before. They were like, you don't ever wear turtlenecks. What's up with that? Are you hiding a hickey? It's like, no. No, no, I just felt like wearing it. And I got embarrassed because it's like, oh my God, I almost got found out. 
So wearing something that might be a little bit different than they normally would wear, or again, in those hot summer months, now they might cancel plans with you. Maybe you wanted to go out for a girl's night or a guy's day, and all of a sudden your friend, it seems like notoriously always cancels for this. Doesn't give an excuse, but always cancels. You also might, uh, that person might mention that their partner is jealous their partner is controlling, they might be afraid or their partner, and this might be an offhanded remark, they might say it very casually and you don't ever give it any other thought. There might be unexplained bumps or bruises. It just doesn't seem like, okay, you ran into the door, you fell down the stairs. They just seem a little bit weird. Now, if you do find out that your, your friend, your family member and so on has been abused, don't gossip about it. Just don't, just keep it between the two of you because more than likely, that person trusts you enough to tell you about this, okay? This is a big thing. A trust is a big thing for a victim of abuse because they might not have a lot of trust. They might not feel that anyone is really going to be able to help them, so they can keep it bottled inside, and uh, they might not share it with everybody. Now, so listen, believe whatever the person tells you. Okay, I mean, unless they give you reason not to believe them, we don't want any victim blaming or anything like that as well or shaming and remind her that him or her that you are there. If this person is ready to leave. So when you're ready to leave, let me know. Call me. I will be there. You know, I'll have boxes. Let me know when. Also, ask what you can do to help. What do they need? Is there something specific that you can you can direct them to or help them with? Maybe they need to find resources and they can't do it safely from their home computer or their phone. So they might need you to help them out with that and encourage them to make the decision to leave and offer, again, the resources, maybe shelter or different agencies that you can to help. Don't, again, say, why don't you just leave? Don't criticize. Try not to, you know, I know it's going to be hard to do because you're, probably your first impulse is going to be you should just go just leave now but no no please remember this is a very hard decision to make there's a lot of if you have to plan it there's a lot of things that go into planning this remember that if, if this your person decides okay i'm ready to go remember that 72 hours after leaving their abuser is the most volatile time for that person okay so be prepared get in touch with a local shelter for the hotline um, also, and hold on a second, I have that number too, I have that web address for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You could find that or call that number. I do have information for overseas, international. If you need those numbers, please drop me a line. I'll be happy to give that to you as well. Now, encourage your encourage her to keep a log if she can, or a journal, or email you information about um, any past abuse, maybe any abuse that's still going on. And she might want to take pictures of any of the abuse or damage that's happening in the home. Uh, any messages, maybe they are giving some messages that are um, threatening. Those are very important. Try and maybe copy those and uh, paste them to an email to you or send them through the mail to you, however you want to do that. But, but please, again, you got to do that safely because you don't want her partner to find it out. Now, if she is choosing to stay, Let's say that um, even though you're, you've talked as much as you can and she is deciding, no, I am going to stay with my partner, 
please don't make it hard on her. It is a hard enough, again, a hard enough decision to make that move to say, okay, I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm going to throw away the key. I'm just moving on. Now you can feel, feel um, free to gently say, okay, I know you're going to stay. So if, if the person decides to stay, I know you're going to stay. And I am concerned about your well-being for you, your animal, you know, those fur babies or for your children. And I just want you to know that when you decide to leave, I am here for you. And contact those agencies, contact that shelter that's in your town or your area, or again, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, contact them. They'll have some great resources for you just as a friend. And you can provide that to her when she's ready to leave. Now, you can give her the information. Just because you call a shelter doesn't mean you have to stay there. They do have some great resources for guests that are not inbound inbound guests. They have um, outpatient, out guests. I, I forgot what the word is. I'll have to ask a gal a little bit later. But they can provide services to somebody that's not in the shelter as well. They can give referrals and they might have legal advice. They might have, oh, oh my gosh, um, maybe even housing. And I know there's just a variety of different programs that uh, shelters offer. Now also, so if you're in the workplace, you might experience a lot of the same. You might see uh, your coworker or your worker is missing a lot of work. And excuse me a second. So you might want to apply all this information that I've just kind of gave to you also to think about somebody that is um, in the workplace too, because this is very important. Again, they might come with uh, bruises. They might have, uh, they might have some excuses. They might have um, had to walk when they normally have a car because maybe their partner took their driver's license or their keys. Uh, so they were forced to walk. I a dry voice here, dry mouth. Now, if you're in public, let, let's say that you're in this parking lot at Joe Blow restaurant. So you're in this parking lot and you see this heated discussion between this man and woman. So what are you gonna do? A majority of us might walk away. Let's say it's a 50-50. Uh, people that might just walk away, I don't wanna be involved, I don't wanna see anything, and they just go on their merry way and they might talk about it a little bit. Oh, look, I saw this on the social media. They might say, oh, I saw this happen today. and or they might even film it and not do anything. But if you see something, and especially because you don't know the people, you might want to just call the police right then and there. They don't have to know it was you. You can do it as you're pulling out of the parking lot, but just give the police as much information as you can. There might be children involved. There could be uh, a later on a murder. You don't know the situation. Of course, you don't want to be in the thick of it, but call the police. That would help so many, so many people. And it might turn out that this person she or he drops the charges, but at least you called. And that could be a peace of mind for you too. Now, how do you know, this is a big one. How do you know if you're an abuser? You might be saying, what? Okay, so how do you know if you're an abuser? You might not even know it. Now I've met and talked with some people and they had no idea that their partner was feeling feeling bad about the relationship. They had no idea. And the reason why is because uh, some of it was verbal and emotional, a little bit of mental too. It was never physical. And they had no idea. And um, I know that sounds so overwhelming because you would think, yeah, you, you would know that you're a bully and whatnot, but sometimes they don't know. So if you are questioning whether this, any of this is about you, 
let me ask you a few questions. One, do you ever check on your partner often? Now, when I say check on your partner often, I mean, are you calling your partner, like, let's say two or more times in an hour to find out what they're up to or what they're doing or who they're with? Now, are you doing that every hour? Are you doing couple every couple hours? More? Less? Do you threaten to harm your partner? Kids? Pets? Do you threaten to destroy items that belong to your partner? Do you touch your partner in a way that makes them afraid? And you'll you'll see that. You'll know that look. Or even your children. Do you, do you have to use your, when you use your big voice, does that scare everybody? Do you notice that, again, your partner and the kids, maybe they do fear you. Do you belittle your partner or your children to make, or others, to make you feel good? After an argument, do you promise to change or to be good, but it only lasts for a short time or at all? Do you get angry in a way that people fear you? So let's say you're out at a restaurant and something doesn't go your way and or maybe you didn't get the right food. Do you just kind of blow up? Have you answered to, yes to any of these questions? Okay, there is help. There are agencies that you can talk to. Again, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is one of those. You can call them as well as local shelters to find out what resources or agencies are in your area. There is help for you. There is hope for you. But you have to want to change. You really do. You have to want to. And I think I'd like to say a majority of people are good and want to change. But you have to want to. You really do. If, if your relationship is worth saving, you have to want to change. Now, let's say that all of these do resonate with you. Okay. So all of these are like, yeah, yes, yes, Melinda. Okay. Yes. So what I'd like you to do is when you feel yourself getting angry, when you, when you, maybe when you throw that first glass, you pause, take a deep breath and you turn around and leave the house or the apartment, wherever you are, just take a deep breath, go for a walk, maybe go listen to music, confide in a friend, something of that nature that'll help the situation too. Uh, you might, you will have to consider getting help from a professional counselor, therapist, maybe seek some anger management. Also, uh, if substances are a factor during your your uh, moments, uh, perhaps you would like to or you need to speak to somebody that can help you with that if it's a problem. Now, I am not a person that has had, uh, when I was a child, I did have my stepdad. He was involved in um, substance abuse, but my partner, my other partner, he did not, my ex. So, uh, but please find support for that too. Again, you have to really want to change and you have to uh, be honest with yourself. I mean, does any of this really speak with you or to you? Now, I am hoping that you're still with me here, okay? Now, let's talk about the legal system. The legal system, you're going to be probably hearing a lot of bad things about that. There's good and bad with everything. So with the legal system, when you decide to be brave enough as a victim to go ahead and call the police, do me a favor, stay calm. And I know this is going to be hard because I've had those instances where I have just been all fired up. But try and stay as calm as you can, okay? Now, ask for the police, call 911 
or you might want to call it depending, you know, you could call non-emergencies as well. So I'm in the state, so it's 911 for us. So you go ahead, you say you want to file a report and uh, we'll ask for a police officer to come. They might ask you briefly, well, what's this about? Give them like the cliff note version of that. When an officer comes, you will have to have your ID ready. So have your ID information ready. Have any supporting paperwork like no contact order, restraining order, protective order, uh, anything of that nature that you already have, have that ready for that police officer for when they come. You just kind of give it to them to say here, let them know the situation, what's transpired, why they're there. Again, don't elaborate and don't get all overheated. Just try and keep it really cool as, as much as you can. Okay. And hold on a second and try to uh, be as calm as you can. Now inform the police and like, let's say the neighbor two doors down heard what transpired. Of course, ask your neighbor if it's okay, if they're a witness, let the police know, hey, Jane down the block saw the whole situation. She'd like to speak to you, give a statement as well. That's awesome. That, that's great if they do. Again, those past events, if you have other occurrences, let them know. And um, ask the police for their name, their badge number, and if they have a card. Sometimes they might have a card that you can have too, and the report number when the report will be ready because that's very important especially if you're going to take this further with if it's your first time you're doing a protective order restraining order no contact order all those fun stuff now uh, ask for help now you might be a little nervous to do so what do i mean by help well let's say if you're raped you might need to go to the hospital if you are in need of counseling. Perhaps they have information for a shelter and they can provide you with that counseling information. Just whatever you can, whatever resources that you can, a majority of the time they are free from our area, majority of the time, or, or they might be at a discounted rate. Um, the help that you get from a shelter, oh my gosh, it, it can be really wonderful. If you have to go to court, but please do me a favor. Let's say you've got all your paperwork, you've got your report, you've got your, you filed your protective order. And again, I do have uh, information about that on uh, hope when there was none.blogspot.com. Yeah, let me share that real quick. Um, I do have uh, information about that as well as other information. I don't have the exact uh, blog that that was on, but you can do a search. I do have uh, some, I do have some information on there. So on the side, there's some um, keywords and such. You can go ahead and plug that in. Alrighty, and that again is hope when there was none, .blogspot.com. So let's say you, again, you're going to court. So what you're gonna do when you go to court, try and get there as early as you can. If you have an attorney, if you're not pro se, if you have an attorney, try and meet them as they usually meet pretty early and walk in with your attorney if at all possible. Let them know that you're nervous, you're afraid for your life, if, if that's the case, and walk in with them or find a security guard. Let them know that you're nervous or perhaps you're scared and you don't want to be seen um, by your abuser. Oh, just let them know that information right off the bat. Contact the bailiff. If the bailiff is there when you go to check in, let them know what's going on. Communicate your needs and your fears as well. So you also want to um, make sure that you're safe. Take notes when you're there in court, okay? That's very important. It gives you something to think about because you might be really nervous. You could have butterflies in your stomach. There is going to be 
throughout this whole process, you're going to be just feel overwhelmed. You might feel tired after some of these things that you go through. After the police leave, you might feel exhausted for days after. This takes a toll on you. So just be prepared for that. It's part of the anxiety. It's part of, uh, of the, just the healing process as well. Even, even now, once I give talks, like even this video, I will probably be tired for the next day or so. It's just something that happens. And um, it's it's not just me that's affected by this. Most of us as survivors and victims are affected because still has, you know, you had that trauma and it still affects you. Even it doesn't affect me as much as it did when I first left, but it still does. Okay. So also on that, I want to real quick, just tell you a few things that I do to kind of help myself during the healing process. Of course, again, that's in my book, Rising from the Ashes is where I shared how I healed my PTSD. I don't want to say 100%, but about 95%. Now, what I did is I did simple things like I listen to music. This is by my good friend, Ms. Victoria Miller. It's Out of the Darkness. It's her single and just marvelous. Uh, if you want to go ahead and Google that, she's also on Facebook and it's Victoria. Let me spell that out for you. It's just a marvelous one. I listen to music. That's one of my favorites that I listen to. Um, get yourself on Spotify. You can get yourself also on Pandora, whatever you can to help you kind of get through the moment. Now, you might want to listen to some empowerment music. You might want to listen to just sad ballads. I did that for the longest time, but you want to break out of that funk. So find something that might make you feel um, just good about yourself. And that's how I got into Rising with the Ashes. I started doing things that were like a lot more positive for myself. I found out that um, music helped. I did also vision boards. Okay. If you've seen my classes on that, I've done vision boards before. I craft. I love glitter. I also, um, yeah, anything with a glue gun and glitter. I do affirmations. Now, you, if you come to my house, you will see little sticky notes all over well, not all over my mirror, but I do. I have these on my mirror. I do have these little cards. I have a little group that I, I don't know if you can see what that is. You probably can't. Oh, wait, there it is. I've got this. So my cards that I can pull to, I made myself some cards. Now my cards, they have little affirmations on them. There's prayers in here. Um, I did go to the Lord in prayer a lot. And he probably got really sick and tired of hearing from me. But I talked to the Lord as much as I could. I went to my Bible. I read through that. Anything that I could find that had um, just lifted me up for different uh, verses for, for praying when I really felt very happy helpless. I went to my Bible just to ask the Lord for help. I, I had to because I, there was, I couldn't do it alone. I mean, I had my tribe. I had my sister. I had uh, Mr. Awesome, but I needed something more. And um, the Lord was with me through my darkest hours. Even when I was a child, he was always there. And I needed, I needed, I needed that. I really did. I needed that though. I, I spent time with the Lord. So I also journaled as much as I could. I mean, just take like your old spiral, spiral notebook, guys. Now, this is just something that you can get. They're pretty reasonable. 
and I would just journal my heart. I would blog. I would uh, do that as much as I could. And now sometimes it wasn't even about like what I was going through with my ex. It was just what I needed to get off my chest. Maybe it's my dreams. Maybe it was my plans. It was my goals. And I did create a bucket list too of things that I wanted to do, things I had never done before that it's like, I want to do this. I mean, it was silly stuff at first. Like I smoked a cigar. <laughs> I wanted to drink beer and I had beer and yeah, I'm not much of a drinker. I will be on top of that table dancing or under the table dancing, one or the other. I, I don't hold my liquor well. So, um, but I wanted to try different things. Um, oh gosh, there's so many different things that I wanted to try and that I did learn how to play chess and Mr. Awesome was so great. He helped me with that. Now, Mr. Awesome is my partner. I did find happiness, did find a great guy we have a child together so there is happiness he did stick with me throughout all the craziness of the the divorce and the separation there was a murder for hire there was a different there was a kidnapping threat made against me um, my older son had threatened to kill me in, in a separate incident he also attacked mr awesome at the courthouse um, early on. So, I mean, there was all kinds of craziness and this man could have ran for the hills, but he didn't. He stuck with me and here we are married. And again, we have a child together. It was crazy. That whole thing just not only did the experience of being from a childhood abuse to being an adult then with um, abuse background was that crazy, but just the healing, it's going to be slow. You're going to be, you have times when you're like, wait a minute, really? I can't have this slow. I, I can't have this. I, I need to be healed right now and then and there. And it's not going to help um, to cry about it, to, to argue with it. It's just, it's going to take time. And please be gentle with yourself. Now, why I just shared with you the, the crafting, the music, and so on and so on is because this is what I did to help heal me. It's a, a little more holistic. It's getting outside, grounding myself, uh, just being in nature. And I know it sounds all hippie-like, and maybe it is. I do essential oils. Um, I do, oh gosh, um, there's just so many things. And you can find that in my book, Rising from the Ashes. And I'm going to show that to you right now. So if you want to go on over to Amazon and find that, you can find that there. I also have my uh, let's see when we find that. I also have my first book, which is Call Me Master. I know from the title that does sound kind of kind of um, spooky a little bit because that was part of my life. That's part of me. I did. I was in that situation where I did have to call my my partner master, and um, it's more in the book about where where that came from, what happened with that, and. There's quite a bit of information in there. There is um, not, there's enough to give you an idea of what we went through. It doesn't have everything. I, I would probably have volumes if I put everything in there, but it, it does give you a little idea of some of the things that we went through. And I didn't give you all the gory details. And um, yeah, I don't think you need that. I, I really don't. I don't think you need any of that. Um, but anyway, I think I'm gonna wrap this up. I pretty much told you everything that I have that's on my list. I do ask you, please, 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 if you can share this, I would greatly appreciate this. This is also, we're going to be winding down with uh, teen dating 
Violence Awareness for the month of February. Please visit me back in uh, April. There's a couple things. And even later this week, I am going to have an interview coming up with a gal from a shelter to discuss a shelter. So because I think that's kind of dark and scary for people, they might not understand or know what uh, a shelter is like. So she's going to shine a little bit of light on that. So please join me a little bit later on this week for that. I believe that's on Thursday. And I will be having some more interviews as we go along here with other victims, survivors, also people that are in the advocating um, line of fire, if you want to call it that. They'll be able to give us some information, some support, and also some other great tips and suggestions. So please stay tuned to this again. Share because you don't know who on your list you might be helping. There are people that... I knew, I had no idea what we went through. So there could be somebody that it might not be a physical abuse. It might be a verbal abuse. It might be an emotional thing. It could be abuse by their relative. It could be a, uh, maybe a father's just being verbal. And I can just say just. Verbal abuse sometimes feels almost worse than physical abuse. And I know that sounds strange, but those words cut deep. They really do. They cut deep to your heart. But I'm going to be signing off now. I'm going on almost an hour. I was going to take any questions. But if you have any questions, please leave them in the comment box. I'll be happy to answer those at a later time for you. I can get back to you privately. Again, please share any information that you might um, this information with your group because again you don't know who is affected by abuse right now and i would really like to help them and in order to do so i do need you to share if you could please do so and that sounds like begging anna i am a little bit okay but i am gonna let you go i'm gonna sign on off i will talk at you later this is melinda kunst from hope when there was none i hope you have a great day, a great night, and thank you for joining me. I do appreciate it. Just hit the hashtag replay. Again, answer, uh, ask any questions that you might have, whether it be about abuse, whether it be about my story, or anything else, any of the topics. If you need a transcript or a, a PDF of what I just spoke of, because I did go through it pretty quick, I am happy to provide that to you. Just let me know. Please join the Hope When There Was None group if you are a victim or a survivor of abuse. We do have, it's a little more self-care for those that uh, need that because self-care is so important when you're in the healing process. It, I, I didn't realize how important it was. And again, this is open up to any type of abuse, any victims or survivors, uh, whether it be uh, when you were a child, perhaps you are an adult, perhaps it's an office type of setting, maybe a coworker, whatever it is school bully, please join the group. You'll find it on the Hope on There Was None page. Look for the group tab and send me a message. Just hit the group page that you'd be interested in joining, and I will go ahead and approve that for you. As always, I love you. I'm thinking of you. I believe in you. And stop by, say hello. Message me privately if you have any questions. I'm going to go. Love you. And thank you for stopping and joining me. I appreciate it. And thank you for, for supporting me. 10 years, 10 amazing years. I just want to let you know that anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. And, and there are tips and suggestions that I do have in other videos and how to keep yourself safe. It's never too late to start again. It's never too late to 
to reclaim your life, to find that person that you were. It's never too late. I promise. Bye.